0: section ten of from the latchkey of my book house this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. from the latchkey of my book house edited by olive be miller chaucer geoffrey english thirteen forty to fourteen hundred in days when all the fire of chivalry still burned in knightly breasts there dwelt at the court of edward the third in england a young page named geoffrey chaucer clad in red and black breeches with a short cloak and elegant shoes he attended upon his mistress the wife of prince lionel edward's son at many a gay festivity at court much he learned there of the ways of gentles and many a time he sat in some tapestried chamber amid embroidered lords and ladies while some one read a graceful poem in french of the style then fashionable at court ere long young geoffrey himself began to write poems after the manner of the french when he was barely nineteen geoffrey went off overseas with the king to the wars in france there he conducted himself right nobly until he was taken prisoner in a disastrous english retreat for some months he languished in captivity but he stood so well in favour with the king that edward himself at last paid his ransom thereafter behold geoffrey in the king's own household and risen to be a squire with an annual salary and a gift of a suit of clothes each christmas-tide soon too he wedded one of the queen's damosels a lady named philippa a man of kindly and gentle humour and great courtliness was chaucer and as the years passed on his royal master sent him on more than one important diplomatic mission to foreign parts now to genoa now on a very secret affair to flanders and now to france what a deal of the world geoffrey chaucer saw on his travels and how he was touched with the warm glowing charm of italy thenceforth the poems he wrote were no more after the graceful and tender but slight and shallow manner of the french they were full of the rich life and colour of italy's powerful writers dante petrarch and boccaccio but chaucer was not only a courtier a poet a soldier a diplomat he was also a man of business for some years he was comptroller of customs at the port of london and had to be continually at the wharves his business was to watch the trade in wools in hides and skins and with his very own hands to make a record of the same on the wharves, he made acquaintance with stevedores and sea-going men and saw human nature of quite a different sort from that he had known at court indeed whatever task throughout his life geoffrey's royal master set him and he lived in the reigns of three different kings edward the third richard the second and henry the fourth he always performed the same with credit whether it were the carpenter's task of erecting a scaffold at smithfield whence the king and queen might view the jousts or the diplomat's task of arranging a marriage for his king the height of his success came in thirteen eighty six when he sat in parliament in all his glory as a knight of the shire from kent Thereafter chaucer's opponents at court gained the upper hand he was deprived of most of his offices and obliged henceforth to live in comparative poverty but now what new life for his poetry at last he wrote no more after the french or italian fashion but developed a full rich english style of his own heretofore french had been the language of the court and english regarded as rude and vulgar but chaucer was the first great poet to make the homely english tongue the language of a new and splendid literature his great work was canterbury tales a rich and colourful picture of old england in those stirring middle ages there they wend their way along the white and dusty kentish road that company of pilgrims on their horses journeying to the shrine at canterbury from every walk of life they come knight squire monk and miller doctor merchant meanest churl and as they journey they tell their precious tales now one all courtliness of phrase now the broad and coarser humour of the churl and throughout such vivacity of movement such tender play of feeling such rich and merry humour and such delight in nature in all the small fowls that make in melody and the wood dove and the frostle in sunshine and soft breezes in april's fresh sweet showers the greatest poet of his period was geoffrey chaucer and when he died he was the first of england's poets to be buried in westminster abbey now sacred to the memory of the greatest of her great coleridge samuel taylor english seventeen seventy two to eighteen twenty four there was once a youth who was so starved and hungry after knowledge that having gained access to a library through the good offices of a friend he devoured every book in the place going straight through the racks from one end to the other he had many odd and original ideas too had samuel coleridge and dreamed many a poet's dream being dissatisfied with the world as it was he once planned a utopia or ideal state a brotherly community where selfishness should be no more and only goodness reign this utopia he hoped to found on the banks of the susquehanna river in america and his plan only failed for lack of funds later coleridge went to live in the lovely lake country of england and became a friend of the poet wordsworth his poems are weird and romantic like the rhyme of the ancient mariner conkling grace hazard american contemporary mrs conkling is professor of english at smith college for some time she lived in mexico and many of her poems reflect her enjoyment of things mexican her wonderful little daughter hilda has written a volume of most beautiful child verse important works afternoons of april wilderness songs poems by a little girl by hilda conkling cook edmund vance Canadian, 1866. Mr. Cook is a Canadian poet, born in Port Dover, Canada. Cook, Flora J. American Contemporary. Miss Cook is Principal of the Francis Parker School, Chicago. Important Works, Nature Myths for Children. Coolidge, Susan. Sarah Chauncey Woolsey, 1848 to 1894 Susan Coolidge was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and came of a family distinguished for its scholars, its cultured men and women. Her most popular children's stories are the Katie Did series. Cooper, George, American, 1840. A writer of songs and poems for children's magazines. Cox, Palmer, Canadian, 1840. Palmer Cox was born in Granby, Quebec, a Scotch settlement. Here he grew up, his mind filled with such tales as Scottish people tell of their favourite little elves, the Brownies, who do many a kindly deed for good folk in the dead of the night. This is how he came, as a man, to write his fascinating stories of the Brownies. Craig, dina maria Mullock english eighteen twenty six to eighteen eighty seven miss Mullock thought her father a clergyman did not live up to his principles in his treatment of her mother so in an indignant moment she took her mother and brothers away from home and supported them by her writing after she became mrs Craig, she wrote her children's stories for her own little ones important works adventures of a brownie the little lame prince Crandall, C. H. American, 1858, a reporter, correspondent, and editor of the New York Tribune. Important Works, Chords of Life, Wayside Music. Croker, Thomas Crofton, Irish, 1798-1854, to an Irish antiquary and humorist, born in Cork. Important Works, Fairy Legends of the South of Ireland, Legends of the Lakes Descent Sir George Webb English, eighteen seventeen to eighteen ninety six, an English scholar and author who wrote chiefly of the Norse, important works, The Norsemen in Ireland, Story of Burnt Njal, Heroes of Iceland, Vikings of the Baltic, Dickens, Charles english eighteen twelve to eighteen seventy in a dirty grimy blacking factory in london amongst the roughest companions once worked a delicate little fellow named charles dickens he was only nine years old shabbily dressed and underfed and day after day he drudged week in and week out pasting blue labels on pots of blacking his mother was a sweet and energetic lady but his father was of that kindly easy-going sort who can never support their families and now he was shut up in the wretched marshalsea the squalid prison where men were confined who could not pay their debts the boy's work was bitterly uncongenial to him he longed so to go to school and in his secret heart had always dwelt the ambition to be a learned and distinguished man when he was still a small child charles had lived in the country in those days his father owned a few good books which the boy devoured with eagerness for weeks at a time he was not charles dickens at all but was living in fancy the life of some one of his heroes armed with a broken rod from an old pair of boot-trees he would be captain somebody or other of the royal british navy then he would be beset by savages and purchase his life at the cost of a fearful scrimmage every barn in the neighbourhood, every stone in the church, every foot of the churchyard had some association in his mind, connected with his books. Now he sees one of his heroes climbing the village church steeple. Now there stands another with knapsack at his back, stopping to rest by the wicket-gate. And over at the village alehouse, in the genial firelight, there he sees quite clearly a certain club of worthies from his books, holding their evening gossip sometimes the little fellow with his fancies and his secret ambitions would tramp for miles just to look at an elegant red-brick house that stood on gad's hill and imagine to himself that it was his and he lived in it but now here he was in london living in wretched squalor carrying things to sell to the pawnbroker tying up pots of blacking and visiting his father in the miserable marshalsea the contrast of such an existence with the ideals of his fancy served to impress all the more strongly on his mind the odd scenes and queer characters of that poor and dirty london in spite of his unhappiness he began too to see the humorous side of men and things to draw funny pictures of the barber who came to shave his uncle and the charwoman who helped his mother at length his father got out of prison and charles was allowed two years of schooling at mornington but he was soon forced to go to work again and now had time only for spare moments of study in the british museum by the time he was nineteen however he had fitted himself to be a reporter and heard and reported the lively discussions in parliament sitting up in the gallery when he was only twenty-two dickens wrote some sketches which were published as sketches by boz these became popular at once and three years later pickwick papers made him famous a novelist of the poor before all else was charles dickens and how wonderfully rich and varied was his knowledge of all types of men and women from the london streets knowledge gained in that hard school of the blacking factory true he saw men and women in a delicious vein of humour but he often wrote most seriously too he can make you cry as well as laugh and his books always win your sympathy for the poor and the oppressed altogether he made the world more charitable in its judgments and left it a far more tender and gracious place than he found it so at last charles dickens became indeed a distinguished man and bought for his own that elegant red brick house on gad's hill where he lived for the rest of his days important works david copperfield great expectations oliver twist Dombey and Son, Old Curiosity Shop, Christmas Carol. End of section 10. Recording by Maricel Qui.